0: This is the Iowa State Athletics Scicast. Hi,
1: everybody. I'm John Walters. Today's Scicast is a visit with Cyclone basketball legend Hank Whitney, a former All-Big-8 player from New York who went on to a successful professional career. And this September, Whitney will be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. He has some great stories. We hope you'll enjoy our visit with Hank Whitney. Well, Hank, a few years ago you were inducted into the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame, and now it's the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. Just tell me what it means to you to know that you are now going to be a part of this Iowa State Hall of Fame class. It is is quite an honor, especially
0: being inducted into the school that you graduated from, Iowa State, and at this point in your life that you're being placed into the Hall of Fame
1: of a prestigious school. That's quite an accomplishment. Came to Iowa State from from Brooklyn, New York. I'd love for you to share the story about how you, how Bill Stranigan discovered you, and how you ended up coming to Iowa State. As a
0: high school athlete, I really was forced into playing basketball by my high school coach, Mr. Pierce. He had threatened to fail me if I didn't come out for the team, and that sort of, eh, I'm not going out for the team. When I didn't show up. He, he said, you know, you're failing. And if you don't come out today, we have practice at 3, at three o'clock. You don't come out, I'm failing you. And I'm saying, how can you fail me? I'm doing very wrong in physics." At any rate, I didn't want to tell my mother I, I'm failing. <laughs> so I went out to practice and, and made the team. And lo and behold, fell in love with the game, even though I played it in the neighborhood. You know, you know kids would play basketball, baseball, touch football. And I I always played basketball in the neighborhood. After making the team and playing, matter of fact, he put me on a starting team. And I couldn't understand why, but I guess he saw something that I didn't see. And uh, in my junior year, we went to Madison Square Garden. Every year, the PSAL, Public School Athletic League, had the playoffs. And this was the first time that my school had gone to the uh, playoffs at Madison Square Garden since 1939. Ironically, the year I was born. And i never forget, it was such a big thing. During that junior year, I was receiving a lot of letters from from schools, NYU, St. John, Wagner, Northern Illinois, Florida A&M, Knoxville, you know. And my coach said, you know, this is an opportunity for you to uh, get a college education. College education, I only thought we went up to high school. (laughs) Lo and behold, fell in love with the game. And the rest is history. In my junior year, I made uh, All-City second team. And in my senior year, I made All-City second team, which is quite an accomplishment with the number of ball players coming out of the city and the number of high schools they have in the city of New York. June of 1957, my coach called me to the office and said, Hank Henry. He says, uh, there's a gentleman that uh, is interested in seeing whether or not you'd be interested in going to school Out west? Out west? Where? He says, uh, uh, he'll explain it to you. He said, well, what you got to do, you got to meet them on 40th Street and 10th Avenue. There's a park there, and uh, you're going to meet Mr. John O'Boyle. I never heard of Mr. O'Boyle, but apparently he was like a recruiter. When I got to the uh, the park, there was his gentleman, this distinguished-looking gentleman with white hair, it was Coach Stranigan. Mr. O'Boyle introduced us. There was about six of us, and he had explained that he was looking for a, a guard, and he had already made up his mind about Nick Bruno. And he said he was looking for a, a forward or a center. Now, I was six seven, weighing 175 pounds, so you can imagine how big I was. And uh, he ran us through some drills. You know, you lay up with your right hand, you lay up with your left hand. The big guys, I want you to go to the high post. I want you to face left. I take right, pass the ball, turn around for the jump shot, bad, so on and so forth. We went through the drills. And then his last piece that he asked, uh, Dr., uh, Mr. and Coach and he said, Can you dunk? Anybody here can dunk? I knew I didn't have a problem with it. So those who could dunk, he said, Can you dunk with your left hand? I dunk with my left hand. Uh, can you dunk with your right hand? Yes, I can dunk with my right hand. I dunk. Can you dunk with your both hands? You don't. He said, now, can you dunk standing from a standstill? I don't. <laughs> a part that made up his mind says that he's going. So he selected me and Nick Bruno with scholarships to come to Iowa State. You know, it was the first time I have heard of Nick Bruno. It was the first time that I met him. But out of Staten Island, and he was one of the premier ball players out of Staten Island as a guard, Port Richmond. September 1957, Nick and I, we get on United Airlines. We're flying out to Iowa State. Boy, oh, boy, that was such an excitement. My mother, she, she was so she was so sad by the fact that I was leaving New York. Why wouldn't I stay in New York? But I knew staying in New York, I'd wind up in trouble. If I went to St. John, I'd be coming home every night. NYU, I'd be coming home every night. If I went to Radna, I'd be coming home every night. And I know I'd be running around with the same people that, was getting themselves in trouble. Not all, but some. And I guess I would have fell in line. So my choice of Iowa State was after meeting Stranigan, we talked, and I knew that Iowa State had just went into that ball freeze and that beat Kansas with Will Chamberlain. That was a big thing. I mean, it was all over the newspaper because they went into that, and they froze the ball on him. So Coach Stranigan, after we finished talking, 0 they start our client, We're going to send for you to come out in September. He said, just keep keep working on working out so you'll be all right. And he said, Here's our schedule for next year. I looked at the card. It's Kansas, it's Colorado, uh, there's uh, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma, and then I see Manhattan. So oh, well wow, I'll be coming I'll be coming home. <laughs> Lord behold <Long-to-home>, Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> That's how naive I was. When I got home, my mother said, "What happened?" I said, "I'm going to, Mom, I'm going to go to school out west. Out west, where?" I said, "Iowa." She could never say Iowa. She said, "Iowa." I said, "No, Mom, Iowa. Where's Iowa?" I said, "Out west. Out west, where?" I said, it said it's in the Midwest." Oh Lord, I lose my son. But uh, it was a joy. And uh, September nineteenth, nineteen 1957, Nick and I we took off for Iowa State. Coach Anderson, who was a freshman coach, picked us up at the airport and delivered us to where we could be staying. We stayed in Helsa Hall, just open. And I'll never forget my first room was 1410 Forster House. My roommate would be Bud Bergman, who was an upper-class person. And we got along just great. We hit it off real great. I I think, you know, sometimes things happen you can't explain. I thought it would be pitching posters, wooden sidewalks, no cars with horses. Now that's naive, that was a cultural shock, uh, going out to Iowa. But when I look back and I reflect, that's the best thing that could have happened to me. Me going to Iowa State. I think I matured quite rapidly. I was always a responsible person and the people I met were just unbelievable. Miss Erskine, uh, the Woolies, uh, the Willies adopted me and Nick because we broke out of New York and they sort of she had Thanksgiving with us and Sundays with us. We did go and eat. So it was a, a choice. I mean, how would I know this? Faith. Faith.
1: That's how I wound up at uh, Iowa State. Did it help that you had Nick with you? So you had, you know, somebody else from New York at least to go through that experience with Yeah, you. Nick and I were, became very, very, we never ruled together. But we became very,
0: very close. Nick and I became, we were like, like brothers. I moved upstairs on my sophomore year at the Carpenter house where, and Nick was living in Carpenter house at the time, but we were never roommates. And we were very close. We were, we were very, even after graduation, Nick, you know, uh, I'd visit Nick and Staten Island, to go over to his, his uh, mom's house, and we'd have dinner at John Crawford, Vinnie Blue, and I. We, we were so close. and But it did help having Nick there because we sort of fed off of each other. You know, when I got down, Nick was there to pick me up. When Nick got down, I was there to pick him up.
1: So, uh, yeah, it
0: helped. It certainly helped.
1: Well, Glenn Anderson ended up taking over as your head coach your junior year. Almost immediately, you went down to uh, win that Big gate holiday tournament. That had to be a big, big thrill. Oh, boy. Let me, me tell you. Vinny Brewer came out to Iowa
0: State. That was a piece that was missing. Because, you know, Vinny was a hell of a ball player. For someone six 6'3", could rebound, could shoot, could drive, and could play defense. The two of us rebounding was like he very seldom got the ball. Going down to the Big A tournament, that Christmas tournament, and we beat Kansas, KU, oh, man, that was a thrill. That was a thrill. Oh, God, that was a thrill. It was quite an accomplishment, but I don't think they they, they thought that was going to happen. But so we pulled it off for Larry Fye and and Glenn Minty, and Bob Stoy, and, and Gary Wheeler, and that was one hell of a team. That was one hell of a team.
1: And uh, we, we brought home the bacon. Well, you started putting up some pretty good numbers as a junior, and then as a senior, you averaged over 17 points and 12 rebounds a game and got first team all big eight. That had to be the year that, for you personally, everything kind of came together, and you might have maybe started realizing just how good you could be at this game, huh? Yeah, 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 and that's what happened. And that year, everything just sort of came together. Scoring, the
0: rebounding—I always loved to play defense. I was a very physical person. In my senior year, I was drafted number one by the in the ABL at that time, by the uh, Chicago team, and was the fifth round choice with the Syracuse Nationals, who are now the Philadelphia Seventy ers And I opted to play with, with the ABL. One because Abe Sappiestine had it set up so that all those all those players coming out and playing in this league would play against the Harlem Globetrotters, and we would travel around the country, paying us hundred dollars a game, all expenses paid. And uh, a lot of us went, wound up in the uh, in the ABL. Uh, Bill Bridges, Cedric Price, uh, Tony
1: Jackson. There was a whole crew of us. Twenty-five games in twenty-seven days, I believe, and that's really globetrotting. You also got your Iowa State degree. It sounds like you were really torn between you wanted to keep playing basketball, but you also wanted to put that degree to use and go back to New York and and do some good with that degree. So tell me kind of how it all ended up. where You ended up in the ABA eventually.
0: Yes. The year that I played in the ABL, the league folded. I had my degree because I had gone back. Anderson made certain that I came back after my first year playing football to get the six credits I needed to get my diploma. I was picked up by a semi-pro team, the Allentown Jets, played in the Eastern League, but I began teaching school April 1st, 1963, and played the weekend ball in the Eastern League. And there's some very good players in the Eastern League. Matter of fact, A lot of the players wind up, there was a farm system for the NBA. I played in the Eastern League until 19, 1967. The year that they began the uh, ABA, I was a dean at that time in my in my old neighborhood, and the principal had heard that I was being offered to play in the ABA, ABA and I and I kept refusing. I said, "I'm not going to play. I said, I'm married. I got kids. I can't. I can't. There's no guarantee." But Mr. Klavoorik, who was the principal, pulled me in his office and said, "Hang so you may never get another opportunity like this. If you're worried about your job," Don't be worried. Since you go, you play, and if anything happens, you can always come back. And that's what I did. And I wound up playing in the uh, ABA until 1970. 69, I got hurt. An injury to my uh, ankle almost. I should have broken it, but I really had a bad strain. And uh, that sort of ended my career as a you know professional athlete. But I came back to uh, my old school. I was welcome. I was back in my dean position and the whole bit. Gradually, you know, getting... My masters and everything, I moved up the scale and wind up as a principal in my old junior high school for 25 years. Everything just seemed to be seemed to be worked out, you know. Just like I don't even know if I made these decisions; they just happened. And I often look back and reflect on, "Wow, hey, look where you came from! You came from." And you know, if, if you're familiar with Brooklyn, I come from a community, a very poor community, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And now I can't even afford a house over there. <laughs> but it, it, that's where I came from. It, it was a predominantly uh, African-American and Latinos. And that's a section that I, I, I lived in. The school I went to, the junior high school I went to, was predominantly Italian, German, and Jewish. I was the only black kid in my class. But made great, I had great friends, though. I was always, always able to make friends. When I reflect on where I came from, I think I really get emotional at times. There weren't many, if any, came out of my neighborhood and reached their true potential. But the neighborhood supported me, and everybody sort of watched over me. I spent those 25 years as a principal of my old junior high school, which was an advantage because I knew the parents. Some of us grew up together, and I had their kids, their grandparents, their uncles and aunts. And they would always say, you know, I know Mr. Whitney. And he's not going to tolerate that. When I decided I was going to retire, June 28, 2001, when I had my final meeting with my staff, and the last words is, this is my last day. Oh, God, what did I do that for? I had to, I had to walk out of the library. I had to lock my my office, office door because everybody was so upset. I even had parents, and one of the parents who who, who always gave me a hard time, and I used to always say, but I still love you. Yeah, you're picking on me now. When she thought I was gonna retire, she came to school. Said, "You, you can't retire." Said, "I got two more kids. I got two more kids." She said, "No." I said, "You're the one making me retire." Oh, she was upset with that. Oh, you can't retire Miss Winnie, please. And I'm like,
1: I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gone. See what you did. <laughs> What's neat is that education has really played a major role. It seems like in every chapter of your life and. And and that time at Iowa State was a, a, a really big part of kind of forming the foundation of who you ended up being. Yes, it did. It certainly did. Well, your connection to Iowa State continued as the that pipeline of players from New York kept coming, and and one that came in and ended up being another Iowa State Hall of Famer uh, was Don Smith. Zayton, yes. Azul Aziz, tell me tell me about how you uh, had an assist in helping to bring Don Smith to Iowa State. One of Don Smith's, uh, I think it was, I think it was his uncle, Al. Al was a police officer. And
0: Al was assigned to my, to my, uh, junior high school where I was teaching at, and where I was the dean at. He knew I played ball because he was always heavy into, uh, getting kids uh, in different leagues and, 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 and playing around and trace leagues and the whole bit. He came to me and said, hey, he said, I got a kid. He said, really, really nice kid and, and a good ball player. He said, but, you know, this kid ain't never offered him any type of offer, scholarship or anything. I said, well, how good is he? He said, said, he's pretty decent. I said, I'll tell you what, Al, bring him down to uh, my community center, and I'll work out with him one-on-one. Oh, was I impressed. Oh. So I called Coach Anderson. I said, Coach, I got a kid. This kid jumps higher than me. He said, come on, nobody jumps higher than you. as a Coach, believe me, this kid jumps higher than me kid by the name of Don Smith. I said, this kid is good. See, He ain't got no scholars. He said, what kind of kid he is? I said, based on what I know, I know his uncle. He's, his uncle's a police officer. I said, this kid is, is, is a, a good kid. I like the way. Man, when we met and we talked and the whole bit. So Coach Anderson said, well, I'm going to send for him. I said, Coach, you're not going to regret it. The rest is history. And as uh, a matter of fact, Don, we keep in touch with each other. He wrote a book, and he made a point that, to put me in this book, I think he's living in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, he's under, his name is Zaid. He changed it because he changed his religion. But uh, he had quite a he had a prior run at uh, at Iowa State, and he did well. He did well in the NBA. So when I was playing in the ABA, we tried to uh, draft him, try to get him to sign with the uh, New Jersey Americans. He went into the NBA because they obviously he got more money. The league was more established. So he wound up
1: in the, in the NBA. Yeah, he did quite well there. During that era, the ABA certainly didn't take a back seat to the NBA. Uh, there were so many tremendous players in the ABA. And what a colorful league. Just tell me a few of your memories of, of playing in the ABA. That had to be an awful awful lot of fun in your professional career.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> Especially when you had a coach like Max Daszlowski. <laughs> Who would really call time out and say nothing? <laughs> <laughs> and Max was considered a pretty decent ball player when he played in the NBA. So Max would call timeout and just stand around and say nothing. And it was the players, Walt <laughs> Simon, myself, Laverne, taught. We became the mini coaches or whatever. This is what you got to do. Got to box out. We got to do this. You got to do that. It was a horrible league, and had a lot of hello ball players. Connie Hawkins, Dr. J. I remember seeing Dr. J, and I said, this kid is, because we played in a tournament together, the only player to win the MVP twice in that league, the Don Bosco League. And I had decided I'm not playing no more. Hey, I'm up in age. I'm not playing no more. The person that handled the Don Bosco team said, Hank, hey, said, you know, we don't have to worry about rebounds. So we got to the kid and says, uh, he's good. I said, who is his name? Julius Irvin. I said, I love that kid. He said, he's a tough ball player, he Says. This be I know you don't want to play, but come on, play. And we had the uh, guard from uh, the the Celtics, JoJo White. We played. We we won the tournament. And I tell you, I was so impressed with Doctor J. It was unbelievable what he was doing. And when I got back to the neighborhood and started talking, I said, "They got a kid, man, that's coming up. Boy, this boy is he. He is he is good." Now I've I've known Connie for years because we played against each other in in the tournaments around the city. Connie Hawkins. And, and and I think Dr. J. really emulated uh, 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 Connie because Connie was doing it all. He was unbelievable because, you know, he was at his IOU. He was a freshman in
1: 1960 at IOU, and everybody was talking about him then, Connie Hawkins. It wasn't like guarding Connie Hawkins. Connie was very difficult to guard because
0: he could do so many things. He could bring it down the court. He could play guard. He could play center. He could play forward. But I found a secret the guard and Connie, Connie didn't like physical contact. As great as he was, he didn't like anyone to be physical. Not that I stopped him, but I think I did, I did a good job against Connie. We we t- became very good friends because I wound up playing with Pittsburgh in the last years of the uh, the, the ABA with the uh, Pipers. You know, and it's ironic, you know, this past uh, April, they did a thing of the 50th anniversary of the ABA. And they did it down in Indianapolis. Initially, I wasn't going to go. But then everybody talked me. They said, Hank, why don't you go? So, you know, you may never see these guys again. And uh I, I'm so glad I went. I saw my old roommate, Doug Moe, Bob Berger. We, we had a great time reminiscing because we were the first to play in the ABA 50 years ago. And it seems like That's yesterday. It was really a great week. And they, 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 did, they did one heck of a job. You know, Indiana Pacers is one of the teams that was in the league. And they put on, they put on quite a show. We all got these rings for 50th anniversary.
1: Nice, nice name. It was, it was, it was really, it was quite a tribute. It was quite a tribute. You still stayed connected, obviously, to Iowa State, too. Tell me a little bit about all your, your family connections to Iowa State University to this day. My wife here since passed in in 2013, but uh, she was, I I met her uh, in my
0: uh, junior year. She didn't know who the heck I was. I thought I thought everybody knew who I was, but she did. <laughs> and I guess maybe that's what attracted me, you know, to her. And uh we got married in uh, nineteen sixty two after my uh first year in the ABL and we got married in sixty two. We moved to moved to New York. We had three kids, they're all teachers. Her mother her mother is uh still living, Ms. Griffith is still living, she just celebrated her hundredth birthday and the uh there was a family it was an African-American family that adopted me when I came to Iowa State, and John Crawford, because John introduced me to the Wood family. Mm-hmm. And we still stay in touch. Ellen lives in uh, South Carolina, and, and Zoe lives in, in, in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. We keep in touch and what have you. So I've had some good connections.
1: You had a son that went to Iowa State as well? Is that right? Yeah, Brian,
0: uh, my son Bryant. He went to Iowa State. He graduated from Iowa State. I didn't want him to go to Iowa State. He was a football player. And I used to always tell him, Brian, you know, you may, you may be coming out of New York City high school football. I said, but, you know, when you go out to Iowa, these guys, yeah, I said, these guys are knocking over tractors. what have you? I don't know. No, Dad, I want to do just like you did. Brian, this is a different world, son. I would play basketball. I would play football. But he went out to Iowa State. As a matter of fact, I, I spoke to the coach at Iowa State. He said, hey, we'll put him on the uh, partial. We'll take care of his books and, and some other things they would take care of. He went out there, and he spent his four years, and he got, he got his degree. And my oldest son was born in Iowa, and he went to Drake for a couple of years, and then he then he came home and because he was becoming a professional student. I couldn't afford it. So I had to bring him home. It all worked out well, you know. God is good. You know, they all uh, educators. Brian, he's almost close to to uh, retirement. My daughter, she's, she's a, a school teacher. Her husband is a federal officer with the government, and my son, Brent, the oldest, he's a, he's a teacher. His wife's a teacher. Uh, Brian teaches school, and his wife teaches school. So they all they all in the educational uh, field.
1: Well, Hank, I know it's going to be. Uh, I know you came back for John Crawford. You mentioned him. You came back when he went in the Hall of Fame, and now it's your turn. That's just going to be a very special weekend. We really look forward to having you back in Iowa one more time in September. And nobody deserves it more than you do. It's going to be terrific to have you back and see you go into the Hall of Fame.
0: You know, it's, it's ironic that you say you that one of the fellows called me today that told me that we lost one of the fellows, Bob Johnston, who went to Niagara, and uh, he just passed away. And he was at. John's induction, Tommy Hemans, He came down he was at, uh, at at John's induction into the uh Iowa State Hall of Fame and when I told him that I was being inducted, he's all, oh, man, I ain't about time. I said, Tommy, everybody can't go in at one time, eh? Everybody, everybody, everybody can't sit in the front row.
1: So <laughs> take the back seat to anybody as far as we're concerned. We're uh, we're really excited to have you coming back and uh Thanks so much for taking some time and sharing some memories, and we'll look forward to sharing more memories with you when you come back in September.
0: Uh, Thanks so very, very much. I've had a lot of inductions into the Brooklyn USA Hall of Fame, the New York City Hall of Fame, the John Hunter Hall of Fame, and the whole nine yards and what have you. But this is very special. This is very, very special.